Hello, Team Builder, and thank you so much for joining us today on Ask Michelle and Chris. We're here to answer your questions about team building so we can learn and grow together. I'm your host, Michelle Cummings of Training Wheels, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Cavert of Fun Doing and On Team Building. Let's go find out what we can answer for you today. Well, Michelle, how are you today? I'm doing good. How about you? Oh, I, I'm good. I'm excited. I'm excited about this episode because it's it's timely. You know, we're going to talk about virtual team building. Mm. Uh, you've been doing quite a lot of that lately. I have more yeah. than I ever thought I would. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. It's that, what do we call that? Creativity by constraint. This is a new term I just learned about how we could create constraints or constraints can come upon us, which has happened to us. We are recording this in the, we're now kind of at the tail end of COVID-19 and things are starting to open up again. But you've been, the last six weeks, you've been inundated with a lot of requests and have come up with a lot of cool, innovative things we're going to talk about. But here's the question. Here's the question we're going to we're going to address today. What has been your, Michelle, what has been your experience creating virtual team building activities? That's kind of the focus. So you're going to be kind of the, the star today on this one because you have a lot more experience than I do. I have a little bit, but I've been relying on others to run the tech for me so that I can focus on the team building part. So you could speak to that too, because you've been doing both, mm-hmm. which is which is a super huge learning curve. <laughs> so let's dive in. Tell us, tell us how it's been going. You know, maybe that a little timeline of things. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I will be the first to admit I was a very slow adopter to embrace the virtual team building world because I love the in-person stuff. I'm so rooted in the hands-on experience and that face-to-face connection and the speed at which we can get things done because we have that. So I have always been a slow adopter when it comes to wanting to even try out doing team building online. And then, of course, COVID-19 happened and kind of forced us, quote unquote, forced us into this virtual team building space. And so and I love that term you use, creativity by constraint, because that absolutely is now where I feel like I actually have some pretty decent skills in virtual team building now, but it's not because I wanted to. It was because a constraint came upon us to force us into this creative space. I would say uh, I first approached it with a lot of resistance, and then it came around to maybe embracing it a little bit. And now, dare I say, that I'm kind of energized by it and I'm actually enjoying it. Forced creativity has now turned into something that's actually kind of fun. I will say maybe stage one of first going into this was, okay, how do we tweak everything that we do in the classroom for the virtual world? Um, So coming up with a couple little tweaks, uh, lots of icebreakers. Those were the first things I was like, okay, we got to make sure that we're keeping people connected and things like that. Lots more focus on the icebreaker. That was probably in phase or in stage one. Then stage two, I had a couple, maybe a week or two of experience now under my belt with the different platforms. Stage two then was around how do we now take this? I've got a little bit more experience with the different platforms and now starting to look at how can we do more of the team activities with our groups in a virtual format? And so that's really what where maybe the evolution for me came about was now focusing on the team experience itself. And really still, I didn't have quite the experience in Zoom then as what I do now. That's the platform that I use is Zoom. So I would say even the 
Stage two still focused on one person controlling the screen while everybody else giving their verbal opinions and things like that. Then stage three, I started looking at ways to make activities more interactive as a team and not just one person sharing their screen, but having everybody being able to manipulate what's happening on the slide or what is happening on the screen to where then it really did feel like everybody was participating at the exact same time but still in this virtual format. We were still working on the same problem. Everyone had equal input and equal participation in the activity. And again, I I was a slow adopter to this and, you know, almost brought me kicking and screaming into this process. But now I'm enjoying the creativity. And especially because I'm feeling like now we can get to some of the same outcomes that as if we were live and in person in the classroom, but now we're doing it in a virtual space. We're still encouraging that connection between people, still connecting to content and sequencing out great programs, but doing it virtually. And I honestly feel like this will become kind of a part of a new normal for our field, because I feel like we kind of, we don't know what we don't know yet. And, but this may become part of our new narrative where we could even encourage participants, organizations, or even the trainings that we do. Maybe we connect before the program virtually and do a few things like this first before we go live and in the classroom. And it might actually help make us better. To add to that, I have always been an advocate of how how do we get some pre-information to people and get them kind of warmed up mm-hmm. before we even get to the face-to-face uh, programs where you're actually connecting. We always talk about connecting before content. We can connect a little earlier and this virtual space could be that added benefit to a program where you're already ahead of the game before they get there. Now we can get into the work of team building a little sooner with the skills and abilities we have now online and being able to maybe even over time meet them multiple times before. And then when they come together, they have a, they have a deeper and richer experience when they're doing that hands-on face-to-face kind of work. Yeah, I agree because I honestly feel like the corporate world will never be the same after this. I think, especially for those multinational companies, I think that, I mean, remote teams are a thing now and they have been for a while. And I feel like they've probably reached out and and tried to do team building online before, but I don't know if our field really embraced their setup. And now because of this constraint, I feel like our field can now use this to our advantage because it can now we have better activities that really can help strengthen teams in a remote environment versus us being the ones saying, ah, we really need to do this live and in person, right? right? So I right. think it, honestly, I think it's going to help us yeah. in the long run. We've been forced to learn. Yeah. And and we always do that to our participants. You've said that to me before. Mm-hmm. You, we, you know, we're asking them to stretch ourselves You've done this for yourself. You've stretched yourself in different ways. And now we've had to do this. So now we have another avenue to reach and connect with people. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing. Honestly, I feel like I have failed forward more in the last two months of my career than I have the last 10 years because I, the learning curve was so steep and I feel like it's actually been great for us as facilitators, our field to where you know, we ask our participants every time they go through one of our programs to step outside their comfort zone and learn something new about themselves. 
And I feel like this is almost like the world is asking us to step outside our comfort zone and learn something new and stretch ourselves. So it's been really, I think, a great learning opportunity for our field to really stretch and grow in ways where we probably didn't really want to. And reflecting on that, how often do we do that with our participants? We ask them to do these things all the time. Right. Right back at us. Yeah. Uh, tell us, I'm and I'm learning too, along with the listeners, I'm learning from you. I've been, I wanted to let the listeners know that each of Michelle's stages of learning were also accompanied by a webinar. So mm-hmm. those are available. We'll link to those in the show notes. And you get to kind of see Michelle's evolution of <laughs> how the types of things she presented and what's possible, the tools that she used. And she did this, she had some, um, she had an assistant running some of the chat and dropping links in. So that's always helpful. What are now the, what do you see looking back? Uh, go over like the similarities between team building online and face to face. And what are the main differences that you see moving forward? If somebody hasn't really uh, stepped into the pool, so to speak, I'm still in the shallow end. You're mm-hmm. you're kind of now in the in the getting to the deep end. Mm-hmm. You're getting really good at this. Tell us, uh, um, give us some advice that you know what to think about, what works the same, and what's different. I would say just to make sure you're managing your time well, because for every one hour of delivery you have online you've got at least three to four hours of prep work to build out your slide decks, to get your virtual format set up, all of those things. I think we still need to be very thoughtful about sequencing out nice a nice progression, starting with your icebreaker, the intent behind why we are doing these activities, planning on your debriefing time, thinking about six to eight hours in person, we probably can only, we can get to some of those same outcomes, but in a virtual format, you've only got an hour, maybe two, if you stretch it before people start getting to either burnout or bailout. Um, and then we, you know, then we just, the activities, they're not going to achieve what we want to at all if people are burnt out. So Zoom fatigue, screen fatigue, all of that is a thing. So we need to be very aware of that when we're sequencing on our programs. 90 minutes is about right, because you've got to plan your first five to 10 minutes to onboard people in a virtual format. Uh, You also have to plan for your latecomers. And then if you're going to plan a little bit for that icebreaker to make sure people are connecting to one another and then going into your activities and then a debrief, that's a lot of, it's a lot to accomplish in a short period of time. So making sure you're really reviewing what are the outcomes Um, Because that is what our field is about, is being outcome-based and not just occupying people's time. So we're making sure that we're connecting what we're doing here back to the real world. And again, not eliminating the debrief because that's where the the good stuff happens. And trying not to do too much in that period of time because Mm -hmm. of all the different exchanges that you have. Don't plan too many outcomes, maybe. Right. You know, I'm still learning too, but I, I can see that where... Less is more. Is mm-hmm. that the, that the adage? I think this even applies even more to online learning. It's really anchor it and really get feedback and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And and what about? So you're talking about thoughtful sequencing. You're talking about limited time. I'm guessing if I were to do something like this, maybe a morning session and an afternoon session. If you could, you could probably pull something like that up. Could you do? Have you done anything like three sessions in a day or? 
What's your experience with that about programming online? Yeah, I have worked with a few clients where I've done a morning session of maybe 90 minutes or so, and then a good two-hour break. Then they can have lunch and do whatever they need to with their families if, if they still have their families at home as well. And then another 90 minutes, hour to 90 minutes in the afternoon as well. And that seemed to work really well. Both of them on the same day, it was easier for people to commit to a full day doing, you know, a little bit in the morning and a little bit in in the afternoon with a good break in between. That was, that was helpful. The other thing to think about is, you know, for those listening that are consultants or just in organizations, how do you bill for your time? Because if you think about it, if for every one hour of programming online, you've got several hours ahead of that in prep work, just have to be mindful of how you're going to bill clients for that. Are you going to bill per person? Are you going to bill for the event price? Are you going to bill bill by the hour and include those prep hours into your into the invoice for your clients? So those are just all things to kind of to think about moving from the in-person experience like we're so used to doing to now for the virtual experience. I'm hearing the biggest takeaway so far, the similarities we can reach probably all of the same outcomes that we would do face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds like it'll take a little longer, so we're able to confirm a little bit more. we got to do things that will help us understand that they're reaching those outcomes. It's going to be probably a little more communication versus you know nodding or not asking questions at face-to-face. We can sense the way we can move forward or keep going when we're together. But online, it's going to take a little longer. Billing sounds like it's going to be a little different. How are you going to charge? Is it going to be per person? Is it going to be per time? What has been your experience? Have you have you experienced billing in different ways? I've actually had several calls about this recently. How do I bill my clients? What are you doing? For me, I start to look at what are the number of hours that it's going to take me to put on that event. And that includes the live screen time with the participants, as well as the prep time going into it and looking at that chunk of time and determining what that should cost. That's what I encourage people to do is maybe rather than a per person event, look at here's the chunk of time and here's what it will cost. Another thing to consider though, is if you end up building out a 90 minute team building program that literally you could plug any client into. So if it's it's got a specific outcome, but you could have client A or client B experience the exact same program without really having to do three more hours of prep work on the front end of it, then maybe you could look at a per person charge for that. Figure it out how much it's going to cost you to build out that one program and then charge per person moving forward. That could yeah. be another option. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, 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 as I'm thinking about this, you know, some people, when you get business cards, for instance, there's that setup fee where if this is a new program and you haven't done it before, then there may be that extra uh, building in the time to create the program for a person. There may be that setup fee. And if you do it with other groups within their company, now you've already built it. Now we can lower the fee and it's just this program is this much for 90 minutes. Yeah, that's something I hadn't considered about how do you bill for that. Just a final question before we wrap up. What are you what are you looking forward to in this space? Where where do you where is it going for you? One thing I'm looking forward to next is starting to look at building out those 90-minute small team interactions. 
And that could be in the form of a virtual scavenger hunt. Or if I look at just a, you know, if I want a program that focuses on communication, you know, how to maintain effective communication in virtual teams, building out a 90 minute program that would be easy to plug a group into. The other thing that I'm looking forward to is coming up. I think the next evolution is going to be how to do team building from six feet apart. I think that's kind of going to be our next evolution. How do we make sure that when we are able to play in the same room with people again, how is it going to be different? How are we going to make sure that we can still get to the same outcomes without touching each other or without touching props that might carry germs and and things like that and just being really aware of what our clients' concerns are going to be and how we are going to be very forward thinking on those and plan ahead for making that happen. Another creative opportunity. Exactly. To wrap up, what advice would you give the team builders out there about working virtually? I would say find a support group, create a support group to help each other and and really find people to beta test with. That's really what I did first and getting started was I relied heavily on a few individuals that were very gifted in this already that were more than willing and generous with their time to help get me up to speed on this. And without them, I feel like I probably would have failed forward. It would have taken a lot longer to feel confident And once you find that support group, just practice one or two activities at a time to build your confidence. Like I said before, I was a slow adopter and I was one that I, you almost had to drag me kicking and screaming into this, into this practice. But now I'm feeling really confident in it. And because, because I practiced, because I had good people that were helping me along the way. And that creativity by constraint, I just love that uh, we ask our participants to step outside their comfort zone, and now the world is demanding that we do it as well. So I feel like it's our opportunity as facilitators to really step up and show everybody what we can do. Yeah. Thanks so much for for sharing your knowledge of this. I, I've learned so much already from you. We're going to link all of your webinars and ebooks in the show notes so people can get a hold of those. I'm sure that you're you're open for people to communicate with you and get some help around there. Michelle has been called upon to facilitate team building for other groups. So you can, if you have a need there, Michelle can help you out with that. I'm getting better every day with that. I'm more of a, how do we find things to use online and then give them to somebody else to see if they can figure it out. (laughs) So I can help in, in some way. So that's Uh, our resource. We're going to reach out to you with our resources and help you along the way as well. Thanks so much for listening. If you have additional answers or comments about this question, please send them our way. And if you have a question you'd like us to tackle, we would love to hear it. You can find the submission link and anything we discussed in today's episode in the show notes. Find the show notes and past episodes at onteambuilding.com forward slash ask podcast. That's onteambuilding.com forward slash ask podcast. You can find me and sign up for my newsletter at training wheels.com. You can sign up for my fun doing Fridays activity email and find me at on teambuilding.com. We hope you join us next week for ask Michelle and Chris about team building.